Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we pop our corks, could I ask you a huge favour? If you don't already follow us, would you hit the follow button and give us a follow? You see the three little dots at the top right hand of your screen? Just tap that, hit the follow show tab. It's the first on the drop down menu. And ta-da, that means two things. One, you're never going to miss an episode. And two, it really does help us to bring you the very best guests there are out there. Speaking of which, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a broadcaster, journalist, presenter and veteran loose woman who's most recently and most reluctantly celebrated her 60th birthday. Born and raised in Scotland with dreams of becoming a lawyer, she studied economics and politics at Edinburgh University. But it was whilst working there on a student newspaper that she moved her big dreams from the courtroom to the newsroom and embarked on a career in journalism. Her first big break came in the 80s when she scooped an hour-long interview with the formidable Prime Minister of the time, Margaret Thatcher. A career-defining moment and one which she likens her younger self to as like a lamb to the slaughter. Working the newsbeat on the Westminster circuit, she became disenchanted and returned to north of the border to work for Scottish television, where in another big scoop, she was one of the first journalists at the scene of the Lockerbie disaster. Her career in hard news, though, shifted in the early 90s when she was offered the role of lead host on a popular discussion show, Scottish Women. After six years and numerous awards, her career as a talk show host was secured and saw her return to London as anchor of Loose Women, which she continues to hold the reins of to this day. And as a self-confessed lifelong age phobic, she recently documented the build-up to her milestone birthday with her inspiring weekly podcast, How To Be 60, alongside her best friend, Karen McKenzie. I can't wait to talk to her to see how she's coping as she stares old age in the face. Let's dial her up. It's Kay Adams. Kate, I have to interrupt you there because I am actually an age phobic in recovery. It's a vital difference, you know. Is this what maturity has taught you, Kay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just basically blag anything that you possibly can. That's definitely the way ahead. Though you have sent me spiralling again, you know, because I'm looking over your shoulder. There's a lovely little print with 1973 on it. 
Are you just taunting me, Kate Thornton? <laughs> As you turn 60 this year, I well, you turned 60 last year. I am turning 50 this year. Oh. And actually, oh, as I, I was prepping for this podcast, I thought, I know when we've chatted before, you keep saying to me, I'm telling you, Kate, there's a big difference between 50 and 60. And suddenly, you almost got a phone call from me last night going, well, what is the difference then? I'm scared now. Because <laughs> when somebody as rational as you becomes as irrational as you became about turning 60 I think there's got to be something going on case smart she went to university <laughs> well you know it's interesting I have been reflecting uh, on this as part of my recovery um, and <laughs> there is a difference and whether it's a good difference or a bad difference you know is arguable but um, I think in my my personal experience I suppose it depends when you have kids and things but I think at 50 you're in the thick of it do you know what I mean? I bet you are just running as fast as you possibly can mm -hmm. to keep up, to keep all the plates um, spinning, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then so 50, you know, comes in a bit of a blur. I mean, like my partner, Ian, um, he organised a surprise birthday for me on my 50th and I've never been so bloody furious in all my <laughs> life. I didn't want to be reminded of it. Thank you very much. I'm busy. I've got things to do. Um, you miserable you know, cow. I know, I'm a miserable cow. Cry, I know, I feel terrible. Um, but 60 is different. And I mean, I suppose I'm an unusual six-year-old because I've still got kids of that age because a lot mm. of six-year-olds, obviously, their kids are off their hands. You do realise, and even I've realised, right, OK, you're going to have to start making some choices now, which is different from 50 or certainly where I was, which was just keep going, keep going, keep going. 60 is all right, do you want to just keep going the way that you have until you hit an absolute wall, as my parents did, to be perfectly honest? Or do you want to start making choices about the way that you're living your life? And funnily enough, I interviewed Jane McDonald, our mutual friend, Jane Aww. McDonald, this morning. Uh, I know, yeah, Jane I know. appears on your podcast. And yes, as you say, she's a mutual friend of both of us. I bloody love Jane McDonald, but I can't yeah, imagine that yeah. you two share much of the same attitude towards ageing. Uh, well, funny, she said something to, today, um, which was she is considering, and of course, she very sadly lost Ed mm. um, a couple of years ago and her mum, to whom she was very close, that she is going through this stage of thinking, right, what do I want to do with mm. my life? Do I want to just take every job that comes that you become very accustomed to doing mm. in our business and other people's business? Or do you want to sort of sit back and think, well, do I want to do that job just because I'm being offered that job? Or are there other things that I want to do with my life? And not to get morbid, because you could follow that sentence with, because I don't know how much long I've got left, you know, which is a bit dramatic. No, but arguably, you know, at this point that we both are at now in our lives, there's more life behind us than in front of us. Exactly. And you can't get away from that. I mean, I don't think it's morbid to recognise that. No. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was uh, young, I wouldn't even use that word, but... Earlier in my life, um, I, if something had gone absolutely tits up, I would do this strange sort of thing in my head. I think, oh, well, I'm only, let's say, 25. Um, I'm only a third of the way through or I'm less than a third of the way through. I've got time to catch this up. Um, and at some point along the line, I drifted off that. I stopped doing it because I go, oh, well, ooh, actually, shit, I don't have long left to sort this out. Well, I always used to have this thing of thinking, I'd like to go, I always used to think, wouldn't it be great to go and do a law degree? 
and have a second career entirely. And now you get to this stage and you go, well, that's, I'd be 57 by the time I graduated. I'd be the, the most tired lawyer in town. Suddenly those things don't become yeah. as viable as they, they once were. And there's nothing to get sad about, really. It's just that's how it is. Like You lose options. Yeah, but actually, I think it can be, and I can't believe these words are going to come out of my mouth, quite empowering, um, because <laughs> it focuses like you the to be mind. Sort of BK? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it does focus the mind and give you a sense of purpose. And mm-hmm. I think that is the difference between 50 and 60 for me. It's not going to be the same for everyone. Um, but having really got myself in a bit of a state about being 60 just because the number... I mean, you know, it's like you go into a greetings card shop and, you know, 50, you're flirty at 50, you're fabulous at 40, 40 is the new 20, blah, 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 blah. 50 licious. Yeah. What'd you get at 60? And then at 60, it's like, you know, your teeth are falling out, your tits are on the floor and you're farting, you know, involuntarily. I mean... (laughs) You know, nobody's trying to put a positive spin on 60 anymore, you know? Um, And so I was, you know, like, oh, my God. I just didn't associate this number with myself. But you know what? I totally get it. And 100 people have said to me, you're very lucky to make it to that age. And of course I am. Of course I am. And I really do appreciate that. Um, And so now I am 60 and nothing's changed. You know, the world hasn't fallen to bits. Uh, and so I now have to look at it and think, right, okay, this is it. This is where we are. What are you going to do with it? And actually that feels quite good. What are you going to do with it? Well, um, do you know what? I, I have always just tried to earn money because I'm like a little hamster. And, you know, I was, as a woman, I was brought up by my very enlightened mum and my very enlightened dad to be very independent and look after myself. And so all through my life, uh, despite the fact I've been with Ian, my partner, for 30 years, and he's an absolutely lovely, lovely man, we look after our own finances. It's hardwired in me to be able to look after myself if the shit hits the fan. Um, So I suppose I do have to look at that and think, right, well, how much money do you need? Um, uh, I was reading a book recently called Die With Zero, which is quite an interesting concept because we always have this thing about we want to leave something for our kids. Do we need to? Should we just say, right, okay, I've got X amount. Uh, Let's say I've got 20 years. If I'm lucky, I'll just spend what I've got. So you've got to think about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't want to just be on that treadmill because I've always been on that treadmill. I want to be more uh, conscious of the decisions that I'm taking. I want to be more sociable. I mean, I live in Glasgow Obviously, I work in London a lot. I get invites to countless things. I'm very fortunate because of my job. I never go. I never, ever go because I only go to London to work and then I'm at home and then I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I I get these lovely invitations to the theatre, to a concert, Mm. to an exhibition or whatever. And I don't bloody go. I was thinking the same last night. I mean, I live in London. I've got no excuse. I need to do more of that. And Mm. drink in more experiences and say, yeah, years and years ago, I did a year of yes, mainly around sort of dating. And it was brilliant. Not just around dating, but, you know, I said yes to anything that was asked of me unless there was a really compelling reason not to. And when it applied to dating, I had to go on the date. If somebody asked me, there weren't many takers, I'll be honest, Kate. (laughs) I doubt that. And I guess that's what you're talking about now is, is, is having a little bit of 
No, giving yourself a bit of va-va-voom, getting back out yeah. there, enjoying life, not just running to schedule. We are well, not trains, yeah, Kate. Guess, we're not trains. Uh, we're not trains. But I guess I'm going back to the difference between 50 and 60. Yeah. I can totally relate to you still being very much in the eye of the storm. Um, but you have to take yourself out of the eye of the storm. And I think at my age, that is a decision I'm going to have to take. And that's what Jay McDonald was talking about. I mean, yeah. like my mum and dad uh, set up, you know, working class Scots, they set up their own business in their late 20s. It was absolutely their you know, labour of love. Um, and it defined them. You know, it was it was their everything. I mean, as well as my brother and myself, you know, they were wonderful parents. But, I mean, they worked until they dropped. They really did, you mm. know. I mean, they were still running this business full time um, in their late, late 70s. And then, sadly, ill health, you know, took them both, my dad and then my mum. Very close and together as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was within 18 months. And, you know, we had said to them numerous times in the sort of 10 years leading up to that, you know, for God's sake, go on, go enjoy it, go enjoy it. But to be honest, they had never, um, they'd never cultivated hobbies. You know, they missed out on social events. And I mean, I followed my mum and dad in lots of uh, approaches to life because, you know, they were wonderful parents. But I don't want to follow them on that one. No. I get that. You, well, that, that's, that's very wise, right? You, don't want to, you want to kind of learn by what you perceive to be their mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, that's the other side of it, isn't it? I mean, like, my mum and dad were, were very close um, and so they had a very good relationship. But, and hopefully Ian and I do as well. But I am aware if we keep on our separate paths, um, you know, at what point do we actually come together and think, right, OK, we're going to have to start doing stuff together now. Um, mm. <laughs> mm, right, that's something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You have to get to know each other again away from being the parents to two lovely, lively young women. Mm, yes, livelier rather than lovely. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> well, there you go. Listen, before we jump into your first question, I'd love to know, um, was this thinking what propelled you to say yes to Strictly? Yeah, it was it was definitely part of it. I mean, you know, you start a podcast called How to Be 60 and then two months later, somebody says you want to do Strictly. Um, you know, I deserve to be drummed out the brownies if I don't say yes, purely professionally. Um, yeah, you're so right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so that was probably the driving force because if it had been an entirely personal decision, I'm not sure I would have done it. Um and that that's not for any real negative reason, but just it was such a huge leap for me, Kate. It was so outside. I hate that comfort zone expression, but, you know, I've never been a performer in that sense. I've never been one of these women who's been, you know, particularly comfortable with even like in a, a selfie, like um, pouting or whatever. I mean, again, another mutual friend of ours, Denise Welsh, you know what she's like with the bloody selfies. And, and she always and, and oh, hysterical laughing. Did she do that? Everyone, hysterical, hysterical laughing. Exactly. Hysterical laughing. So the camera's there, you're right, every ha ah! And you've got to do this laugh with the yeah. big open mouth and the eyes. And every but she's time right, she does because that, what it does is it swallows your chins, it makes you yeah. look your best possible self, and it tells a story that is, we're having a great time, even if it is just for three seconds. Well, but yes, and I agree, but it makes me die inside. <laughs> 
that's the thing you know and so I do it I'm just I've never been one of these women who has been comfortable with my sexuality I, I guess that is the truth I've never been able to do a shimmy I've never been able to do all of that kind of flirty stuff um and so strictly I was like Jesus Christ you know this is this is just too far for me but my professional self said don't be such a twat you know, you've just started this podcast. You've just been offered Strictly. Do it. And so that's why I did it. I'm really glad you did. I thought you were mm. brilliant. I know you were a bag of nerves and you were the harshest judge of yourself. But honestly... It was very short-lived, wasn't I? doesn't matter, babe. <laughs> some, some flames are meant to burn bright and then burn out. <laughs> oh, I like that. Bless you, bless you. <laughs> okay, so as always on the show, I've devised three questions that I'd love to chat through with you. Uh, are you ready to dive into your first one? I am ready, Kate. Now, question number one, Kate. As we've already established, you are age-phobic or in recovery. And they say age is just a number, but you have treated it as an albatross around your neck. So having spent so many years battling with it, lying about it, we'll come to that, and dreading it, can you share in this your 60th year what you would gladly spare others when it comes to the things that you've worried about that with hindsight were just a total waste of life and energy. Oh, God almighty. Um, well, <laughs> where to begin? The lying. Yeah, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, we can talk about the lying in a bit and where that, that, that came from. And it was basically my poor mum who I'm going to malign for that reason. So it became, it became a habit, um, which then I suppose sort of burrowed itself into my consciousness. When I started to lie about my age to make myself younger, then clearly in my head, I was making a decision that being old was bad and young was good. Yeah. You know, so I started that little poisonous worm off, you know, in a fairly jocular fashion, but it was still a poisonous little worm. At what age um, did you start to massage the truth? Um... Well, probably, well, funny, it goes back slightly further than that in that my birthday is the 28th of December, right? And so it happens with the Scottish school year. I was the youngest in my year by quite a stretch. Um, and I gloried in it because I was reasonably good at school. So I usually did well in exams and things. And I got a kick out of being the youngest person to blah, blah, blah. I was yeah. young when I went to university. I was just 17 when I went to university. Well, you were double was threat, a... Kay. You were young and achieving. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. But I was awkward and geeky, so factor that in. Um, I was young to become a news reporter. I was young to interview Margaret Thatcher. You know, mm -hmm. so I guess I must have internalised that as a badge of honour. And I can remember being at Scottish television in my probably late 20s and this guy called Alan Fisher, funnily enough, was taken on a news, as a news reporter and he was younger than me. And I was so pissed off. I can remember thinking, I don't like you. I so don't unreasonable. Like you. It's so unreasonable. And then I had to say to myself, well, why don't you like him? He's perfectly inoffensive. Because he's only 25 <laughs> and I'm 27. <laughs> I'm the young whiz kid in town. So, oh my God, the rot set in very early, Kate. And then, so from, and then it just progresses from there. So my association, young equals good, old equals bad, you know, started... Very young. Plus, your mother always lied about her age. And as much always. as, well, not lied, but just would never admit to her age, would she? Over 21. That's all she would ever say. Over 21. And in fact, I, I, I 
committed myself now to getting a tattoo somewhere in my body that says over 21. Are you? I, wow. I just haven't worked out where to do it. Um, yeah, so mum always did that. But then there is a sort of serious edge to this, you know, because like I said, my mum and dad set up their own business. So they were in the haulage business. Um, so it was quite a roughy tufty business. There was very few women in uh, that kind of business, particularly when my mum was doing it. So we're talking 1950s, 1960s, 1960s, I suppose. Um, so there was a sexist element to it. Um, so she had to make sure that she was a very ballsy woman. Um, and also the age thing, because we're probably still in the situation whereby being an older woman is not an easy shift. You know, there are lots of negative connotations to that. And for my mum, working in that business in the 60s, being a woman was hard enough. Being an old woman was like, get out of town. So I suspect there was some real kind of logic in her head to just not wanting to be labelled as that old bitch. Because to be (laughs) honest... That's the language of the time. I mean, I don't know. Have you read um, Lessons in Chemistry, Bonnie Garmus? No. You should read it. Really, really good. And it reminds that you of the... Pitch. Well, it's Scotland, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, it reminds you of the culture surrounding women in the professional mm. world in relatively recent times. In, in living know? memory, yeah, for sure. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. I mean, did you ever think, for example, that at 60 you'd still be working in television? Oof, I didn't know I'd be alive, to be honest. I mean, uh, when I was at school, I remember thinking by the time I was 50, I'd probably just shoot myself because there wouldn't be any point in existence. I mean, that's how negative I was about getting older. Oh I revised that God, quite quick. Um, I just thought I'd be irrelevant by 60. I thought I would be irrelevant. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why did you lie really? to your daughter about your age? Oh, my God, you've gone very... Um, but, like, like, listen, I get lying professionally, but like to the kids, like they see your passport when you go on holiday and stuff. That that's, that's I know. is that an, is that a necessary lie? Oh no, it's never necessary. <laughs> um, though I, I'm I'm very I'm very relaxed about lying. It has to be said um, <laughs> to grease the oils of well, oil the the wheels of life. Um, oh, you know what's like with your kids when they're younger? Isn't my birthday on Saturday? It's inconvenient for the birthday to be on Saturday. You go, no, no, it's next Saturday, actually. Um, <laughs> I was always very happy with that. Um, what, for their but, parties? Yeah. You know, if I had something arranged that Saturday. No, no, darling, darling, it's next Saturday. You're getting mixed up. Um, <laughs> Nothing um, gaslighting about that at all. Nah. I didn't last that long. Um, but again, I suppose it probably comes back to the fact that I was an older mum. Yeah. Um, and I was probably conscious of that at the school gates, etc. I still thought I got away with it quite well, but I didn't see any reason to declare that I was 10 years older than everybody else. Um, and so it would be an absolutely off-the-cuff, thoughtless, you know, um, response when it would be Charlie, my eldest, said, what age are you, mummy? Instead of 42, I said 32. Um, and ten whole and years. You, you didn't just snip a couple off. You lopped. A I decade. think it was seven. No, I think it was seven. Actually, seven. I think I went still, for seven. Still chunky. It's <laughs> still pretty. Still pretty <laughs> chunky, isn't it? It's the best part of a decade, that's for sure. Despite um, the fact that you are well documented and easily <laughs> uncovered by just a simple Google search. Well, do you know, that is the funny thing that she's told me since uh, because of uh, the podcast and everything. I had that conversation with her and she said that 
Um, and I remember her little friend, um, they must have been about eight or ten themselves, and they were discussing mummy's ages, as they do, and Charlie had said whatever age I had told her. And the friend said, came in the next day and said, no, she's not, I've Googled her, and actually she's plus seven. Um, and they had a real fallout and Charlie was really up dead. You know, oh my God, no, she's not. My mummy's only whatever I'd told her that I was. And this little girl was, I've checked and my mummy's checked and we've looked <laughs> on the internet and actually... You devastated her with an unnecessary <laughs> lie. <laughs> if you had your time again, would you have bothered lying about your age? I mean, as you look back, you go, what's the stuff that I would have done? Uh, either differently or just not expended any kind of genuine thought um, or energy around? Uh, yeah, well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry that I didn't have the moral fibre to be my age. Um, and Nadia, my great friend Nadia Sawala, you know, I mean, she would out me right, left and centre because she thinks I'm utterly ludicrous on this one and always has. You know, she knew what age I was um, and she wouldn't let me away with it. Um, and I would just say, oh, it's just one of my wee quirks, you know, piss off. It's fine. I'm 36. <laughs> um, but when I think about it now, I do kind of feel that I have let the sisterhood down a little bit. Because, yeah, I do. Because... Why should it be a negative thing to age? Why should you carry any shame around being 52 rather than 42, 62 rather than 52? Because you are buying into um, a culture that still does pertain, doesn't it? That women in particular, as they become older, become of less value. Yeah, well, um, that's certainly within our culture. But in other cultures, they flip reverse that and they celebrate and... Um, look up to the older members of their society. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, but we don't. No, we don't. Generally. Unless we move, then it's our duty and obligation to try and change it here. <laughs> so that your yeah. daughters don't have the same insecurities. Um, well, they have insecurities, sadly, born out of other kind of cultural yeah. influences that are very prevalent at the moment. But I don't think about age. I mean, they're not going to get away for, with it anyway, are they? Because I've blown the I've blown, blown the, the cover. Yeah, I have. We talked before about um, you being reluctant to have fun. Do you wish that you'd kind of um, been a bit more up for having some fun? We talked about this last time you were on, that you only do fun if it's organised and you're expecting it. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the thing is, fun means different things to different people, yeah. doesn't it? You know, um, and... Actually, I'm much more relaxed about that than the last time we spoke because I do have a lot of fun in my life. You know, I don't see myself as a miserable person, but I don't like forced fun. You know, yeah. um, I I was away over Christmas and New Year for 10 days with Ian and the kids. We were in Spain. The weather was beautiful. The sun was shining every single day. We would walk along the beach. We went for coffee. I read books or whatever. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not somebody who gets pissed, grabs the karaoke, does a shimmy and dances on the table. And, you know, for a lot of years, I thought that made me a dull person because that wasn't my shtick. Whereas now, you know, I just say that's not the way I get my fun. If, if you get your fun that way, that is amazing. And OK, I've, I've had the odd night dancing on the table and there's photographic evidence, but it's not really yeah. what floats my boat. I'm not a huge drinker. 
Um, I haven't been for a long time. I mean, when I was younger, I, I would drink a lot more. But really, since I had Charlie, 39, I've not really been a drinker. So it's just not my thing. But that doesn't mean I don't have fun. What would you have spared yourself, over the, certainly over the last 10 years, um, as you sit here at 60, which was a waste of energy? If I was to look back at my 18-year-old, 20-year-old self, um, I had to go through all of the anxieties and insecurities and hang-ups and nightmares that I did to, to learn from it. Mm. You, you, you can't fast forward the lessons of life. You have to go through them, you know, and that's, that's life. That's good. That's really good. And I wish that we afforded ourselves and others the opportunity to do that more often because, uh, you know, you can be held... You can be held to a view that you expressed 10 years ago. Well, it might not be the one that you share now. We have to learn, we have to evolve. I really, yeah, I I agree entirely with that. One thing I would say, I mean, a lot of people, I would say my age or people 50 and over, and, you know, there's some pretty well-known names in the media who, in my view, appear to be stuck. They've got to a certain stage and they've decided that, you know, Younger generations, oh, the woke is a, is a word that's used as a sort of term of insult now, isn't it? Mm. You know, snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we got it right. And these new generations are just a bunch of another Scottishism coming up, Kate, a bunch of fannies is what we <laughs> were saying, Scott. Love that. <laughs> um, and, and I don't like that. I want to learn from younger generations. Mm. I want to move. I want to be in a different place in 10 years' time than where I am now. Mm. I don't want to be stuck. That's really important. Who do you think stuck? Um, well, you know, the classic is Piers Morgan and, and Jeremy Clarkson. Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to be unnecessarily insulting because I think they're both very, very clever men. Um, and... I have achieved a lot in their lives, so I'm not going to sort of just be insulting for the sake of it. But I think a lot of the attitudes that they currently express are very much rooted in, um, you know, this is my generation, I got it right, and it's like almost a fear of the future. So um, I don't know if Piers is as guilty of that in my book, but Clarkson, when he wrote, I mean, that horrific column about Meghan Markle for The Sun... And then said, everybody my age agrees with me on this. I just thought, wow. Although it kind of shows him for for who he is. Yeah. And interestingly, I I didn't feel, I mean, I I was angry that those words had been um, put out there in the public domain because I thought they were very destructive. Mm. Um, But in terms of him as the author of those words and all the people who contributed to getting them out there, I just felt pity. I mean... Yeah, well, I felt I felt actually quite despairing that nobody had thought to go, hang on a minute, this isn't acceptable. Yeah, yeah, we can do better. We can we do a better. lot, lot better. Yeah. Sure thing, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, on that, that tip, the one thing I wish I'd done a bit more of, um, eloquently and I'm not going to say it very eloquently now, is I wish I'd been a bit more fuck you. I don't know, sometimes I say to myself, just be a bit more Jane Fonda. <laughs> say something. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is, you've got to, you've got to have the power that goes along with that in yeah. order to, to, to be fuck you. Um, I think there'll be plenty of occasions in her life that Jane Fonda has buttoned her lip um, when she didn't have the power. Um, I, I do sympathise with you on that, and I do think about that myself. But to be honest, probably up until... 
let me see, Bonnie was born maybe 15 years ago, I was much more fuck you. And certainly when I was much younger, I would fight the battle. Mm. And I would often find myself in a, a work situation that I would be like, come on, we're not having this. And I would look round and there was nobody behind me. They'd all bloody disappeared. <laughs> you know, they'd all been up in arms in the canteen. But suddenly when we were at the boss's door, they'd all got something better to do. Um, and I got myself into a bit of, I say trouble, but, you know, I, I was I was too fiery. I was too quick. I was too ready to to fight the battle. And then career wise, I got to a stage. I thought, you know what? This doesn't work. And I started to suck it up a little bit more. Did you? Um, yeah, very definitely. It was a conscious decision and picked my battles and often bit my lip to the point that I thought blood would go running down my chin. And funny... I'm so surprised. I know, but I just thought, do you know what? It works. It just works. I mean, what's the point of fighting every battle if all it does is get your reputation as difficult? And maybe that's a female thing again. I don't know. A few things happened that I just thought, this is not working for me, you know, being this sort of person who won't take any shit so I started to take more shit um I've probably been doing that for 10 or 15 years does it work uh can eat you up inside that's for sure um I think it probably does work a bit more in the professional environment but I'm getting very bored of it again so I think old K might come back you might start to blow your lid soon yeah, 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 yeah. Take your <laughs> shit, Kay. Might be on the way back. Um, but in my professional mode, if sometimes it is better to shut up and get on with it, then that is now what I'll do. 20 years ago, I wouldn't have done that. I would have, I would have had the fight. You would have picked every battle. Now you just pick the wise ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you know what? I'm not saying one works and one doesn't. But on balance, that's what I decided to do. Yeah. And on balance, sucking it up has been more productive. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. OK, are you ready for your next question? I am. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Question number two. You've reached an age where I think it's fair to say that an autobiography would be entirely appropriate. So let's draft what that book might look like. You might even be writing it. Who knows? So what's the book called? What are the chapter headings and what are the key moments and milestones they cover? Okay, well, that cha- that book will never, ever materialise. So no? uh, rest is no, no intention, never will. Never say never, but I won't. Um, but I knew I know what it would be called if it did. It'd be called Happiness is Overrated. And we've <laughs> joked about this on this one for a long time. That's what it would be called. Um, and, yeah, what would the chapters be... Um, I, I just think I've had a pretty mundane life, you know. I mean, I don't really, I don't have any great dramas in my life. Um, I don't think there are any great skeletons in my cupboard to bring out. I don't think anyone's interested in when I lost my virginity. Um, <laughs> it wasn't to a barmaid behind a pub. Um, Are you sure it wasn't? Are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Prince Harry. Um, you know, so I, I don't... I. I if it's not going to be called happiness is overrated, I think it'll be called nothing to report. <laughs> well, that's not true because how old were you when, as a young journalist, you scooped an hour-long interview with Margaret Thatcher? Yeah, I think I was 25, 24, 25, um, 24. So nothing much to report there then, Kay? I know, but that's out there. Who The most powerful hear- woman in the world at the time, arguably after the Queen. If I was your editor, I'd say, okay, well, I definitely want the Thatcher interview in there. I'd want your younger life. I'd want the young you that covered Lockerbie and then went on to carve out a career as a talk show host in Scotland before bringing that to to Loose Women. You were part of the original lineup on Loose and it's still the only dedicated female conversation on national television. So actually, I think you have much to report as opposed to nothing much. Well, that is very, very kind of you. I, I don't know. I mean, I think... Look at you squirming in the face of a compliment. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I think, I think I've often been in the right place at the right time. Um, but if I am to give myself a little bit of credit, it will be that I am quite a tenacious person and I don't get knocked down easily. I have been knocked down very often, um, but thus far I've been quite good at getting back up again. So, um, and that's not to say that I don't find that difficult because I do. I'm actually a bit of a sensitive soul. People, who was I speaking to? Phil Vickery, actually, and whatever conversation we got into, he clearly thought I was hard as nails. Nothing bothers me. And I think a lot of that is to do with being Scottish and, um, I don't, well, hard is a horrible word, but maybe, maybe some people do perceive that of me. But it's just not true, you know. <laughs> I couldn't be less hard if I tried. No, but, I mean, they probably think you're a tough cookie and in actual yeah. fact you're quite a sensitive flower. Yeah, 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 I'm not really a tough cookie. But my mum was an incredibly resilient woman. She was an incredibly tenacious woman. I mean, if you're ever in trouble, you go to my mum. She'll bloody well sort it. Um, and I think I have taken that from from her. So I get back up again. And I think I have done that a lot in my career when I've been knocked down. Um, and, you know, so I've stayed the course. That's what I would say. I think sometimes we forget how important that is. And it's not, it's not about how you scale 
the heady heights of a career. It's how you stay the course. And it's often how you dust yourself down after being knocked to the curb that yeah. teaches you the most. That's certainly been my experience. And yeah. I think every time it hurts less, you have to kind of toughen yourself up. I think from a career point of view, that kind of fits into this whole idea about seeing it as a game. Yeah. Um, and probably, you know, when I said I was younger and I fought every battle, um, I couldn't, I didn't have any separation between me, Kay, and my job and who I was professionally. Um, but when you've had a few knockbacks, then I think that is one way of giving yourself a little bit of protection by saying, okay, well, that's Kay, the television person, not necessarily Kay, the person. Yeah. Um, and so you can sort of use yourself as a, as a, I was going to say chess piece. I seem to be borrowing from Prince Harry the whole time, but do you know what I mean? You can just put that little bit of distance in yeah. that helps you bear the, the the disappointment sometimes. Well, it's separating the persona from the person, right? So yeah, the yeah, work yeah. persona is a persona. Mm. But you can't go on, for example, a show like Loose Women and just truly be yourself because you might be having a terrible day. Nobody needs that. So you take yeah. the persona on screen, but it is very much attached to who you genuinely are. But, you know, I, I know from my years on the show, I got so much from that show because we shared so many of the, what I call the dents in our bonnets, right? So rather than everybody standing around pretending everything was fabulous, to the contrary, there was this great friendship that existed. That, but you're thrown together as professional friends, but I genuinely got some of the loveliest friendships from my time on Loose Women, from women that were unlike me, older than me, younger than me, whatever. Um, but they were amongst my, A, my best friends, but B, my best teachers. Honestly, they were the best therapy for me, those women. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. Uh, absolutely. And particularly that point about being um, thrown together with people that you wouldn't ordinarily think that you would have any great connection with. Um, I think we should all be forced to do that. Yeah, oh, 100%. Transgenerational learning. We're very fortunate to have had that experience because that's not actually what we're getting paid for. Um, <laughs> we're get <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't last so long. <laughs> I just treated it like a jolly. I know, <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. But you know, it's one of these shows that people will ask you all these questions about it, and they'll ask their questions generally based on what they see on screen. Um, and that's really important. And we're there to do a job, and we're paid to do it. But the value that we take from it, those of us who've been involved with it, generally isn't about what's on screen. It's about what's behind. Absolutely. I mean, if you had to devise a chapter within the book about which of the women have taught you what, who would you single out? Because, I mean, like for me, Carol, for example. Oh, McGiff. Well, McGiff, I freaking love McGiff because she'll go, what do you care about that for? And mm. you'll go, yeah, why do I care what they think? Like, it would be but equally, yeah. she, like you, comes over. People might read Carol as being quite a tough cookie. She's really not. Oh, no. I mean, she's softer than me. She oh, is. My... There's almost a romance to her. She'll hate me for saying this, but she's just the loveliest and most loyal of friends. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, Carol and I could not be... I mean, well, there's a couple of things. Carol and I could not be more diametrically opposed when it comes to politics. And I mean, that has happened. Yeah. I mean, that gulf has widened in, in recent years because her views have developed in one very particular way. And 
um, and mine have not gone in that direction. But it matters not a jot to me and it obviously doesn't to you either. You know, it, it has no impact on my affection for, for Carol, which is which is enormous. So I think I think it's fair to say that Loose Women would feature as a chapter in the book that you're never going to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about meeting Ian? Because obviously that's that led to an incredibly different and important part of your life, which is your family, which you came to quite late. I suppose you guys have been together for what, eight years before you decided to have children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we say decided to have children. I decided to have children. Um, Ian is... Um, well, actually, I was going to say Peter Pan, which would be actually, uh, it would be unfair to him. I suppose at that stage when we met around about, we're about 30 when we met, um, he is genuinely somebody who has no care for material things at all. And I, I mean, people say that, but he actually means it. Um, so he led quite a sort of, uh, I itinerant life is that right he traveled a lot he traveled in australia traveled in america he was working as a tennis coach right he's a tennis coach yeah. yes he still is um, a tennis coach and he still is that it's his absolute passion um and he was spending half the year in italy half the year in scotland so whereas i was the kind of person through my 20s that was constantly sort of hitting targets when i'm going to have my first house when am i going to have that car when am i going to have that holiday when am i going to earn this much you know all of these sort of bing 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 bings he hadn't even thought about it um you two are chalk and cheese then absolutely chalk and cheese well on on that aspect, but obviously we've stayed the course because we do see the world in a very similar way, you know. Um, so we were going on really nicely through our 30s. I was working doing the swimming most of the time, going up and, well, not the beginning. I was doing various shows. So I'd be in London a lot. I'd be in Manchester. I was in Norwich. I was all over the place. Um, he was getting on with his thing. And so we were just happily... Uh, independent of each other, but together, do you know? Um, so I was 36 when I th- suddenly came home and said, I think I want to have kids. And it was an absolute shock to him. We had mm-hmm. never, ever discussed it. And I could see him go, right. And I, <laughs> I remember he said, but what if we have a baby and we don't like it? <laughs> and That's a good question. And, and, and I can remember wanting to put his head through the window and and think, what do you mean? You don't be so bloody ridiculous, you know, unconditional love. And he says, well, I'm not sure about unconditional love. I mean, people have kids that they don't like. And um, and I thought this was showing a real flaw in his character, which it might. Um, but basically, we had quite a nice life. And he was thinking, why would we upset the apple cart here? But I had a real... At that point, and it really did come when I was 36, out of nowhere, I thought, right, that's it. I, I want to have kids. And I had never thought that before. Really? Um, Isn't that interesting? No, it's very odd. I could actually tell you where I was. I was walking over Westminster Bridge. I had just heard that Jill Dando had been murdered. And I was walking over Westminster Bridge, stunned. I mean, if you think back to that, it was the most yeah. horrific. And I know this sounds ludicrous, but I am telling the truth. Somewhere in that 15 minutes, I thought I wanted to have kids. I don't, Why? How bizarre Wonder is where that? Where that came from? Life is I short, right? I have no idea. I have no idea. I couldn't, I couldn't explain that at all. Um, and so I, I, that was it, really. And I think he knew it was only a matter of time before I wore him down. And I did. Twice. Yeah. 
twice. Yeah, well, once we had the first. Well, once we had the first one, we spent two years, both of us, saying. I think there's something wonderful about an only child. We were absolutely <laughs> advocates for the only child. We were going to move to China. We were so keen on the only child punishment. Um, and then, yet again, I woke up and I went, uh-oh, sorry, and I think I want another one. Because <laughs> you're about to go full circle again, right? You're talking, you know, you were saying, you know, you had a lovely life together before you had children. Like, why, why? Why risk mm-hmm. tipping the apple cart? And yet you're about to go back into that phase now, probably as quite different people. Yeah, I know. And, and I mean, uh, I do think about it. I mean, Ian doesn't think about these things, not because, you know, he's not a thoughtful person, but he really takes each day as it comes. He's, he's a much more optimistic person. He doesn't sort of trouble himself with um, situations that may or may not happen, as I do. Um so I don't think he worries about it, but I do think about it. I'm not saying I worry about it, but I do think about it. I mean, he has his tennis. I mean, wherever Ian goes in the world, he will find a tennis club, and within two days, he'll have six new best friends. Um, it's like the Pied Piper, but with a racket. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's not the way I operate. I mean, female friendships don't tend to be cemented in such a short space of time. Mm. I really do rely on my friends that I've known for decades and decades. Um, so, I mean, he would up and live in Spain in a heartbeat. Um, whereas I, I don't think I could do that. I wouldn't want to be away from my kids. I wouldn't want to be away from my friends. So I think I will have a lot more um, rejigging to do than he will. He'll just carry on. Um, yeah. And and I'll have to, because although we always did get on very well before we had kids, it was because we were doing our own thing. Mm. And then we came together, you know, and, and enjoyed each other's company, but we also independently had our own thing. Whereas I think if I start to do a lot less work, a lot less work, I'm going to have to find my thing. And yeah. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I can't imagine you sitting around. T- Listen, what, what time could you possibly have free? When you're not doing loose women, you're on the radio. How many days a week in Scotland? Nine till twelve. Well, I usually do three days a week uh, on the radio, and then one or two on loose women, and then the old podcast, etc., and various other things. So it's yeah, uh, yeah pretty packed. I'd say so. <laughs> you like your work, Kay? Nothing wrong with that. Yes, I do. I do, but I want to put other things in as well. Which takes me very nicely to my third and final question. My third and final question is about bucket lists. And I know that sounds very doom and gloom, but what if we didn't only give ourselves bucket lists when we were given, I don't know, an infinite amount of time left on the clock? What does a living bucket list in your 60th year look like? What is it you're determined to do that you haven't yet? Well, I used to be very resistant to that term bucket list. I had no time for it at all. But I mean, that's another thing that I have definitely changed on. I think it's whether you call it that or it's a list of priorities. I do think that I'm at the stage in life I have to say, right, OK, time is not unlimited. Uh, your health is, is inevitably precarious. Um, so if you want to do stuff, you better crack on. Um, so on my bucket list, um, I 
I mean, I love travel. Lots of people do. I would love to go to Istanbul in particular. I've never been. I would. No, I've not. I would love to go to Tel Aviv, um, mm, somewhere I, I would love to go. Um, I'm sure there's other places that I could um, come up with. I would love to learn Spanish to uh, a good standard. Um, I've always been a great, I always say that I, I'm a great reader, but the reality is that I read a lot in my 20s and 30s and then I stopped reading as much. I want to return to read. I love reading fiction. I love modern fiction. Um, I'd love to go to the theatre more. I'd love to take in more cultural um, events and and, and experiences. I want to kind of... I came up with a nice little line. I want to stop concentrating on climbing and start concentrating on growing. That's really, really nice. Yeah. Because they're very different. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I have been a climber. I'm a mountain goat. I'm a Capricorn. And I've just seen a little mountain top and I've like headed for it. Um, Whereas now I maybe want to grow around it a little bit. Yeah, that's really really interesting, Kay. What does that look like for you? How do you want to grow? Do you want to grow your interests, your mind? You need time to do these things, don't you? You I mean, it's like cooking is an interesting one i mean i i now have settled to i bloody hate cooking i hate cooking you are Um, quite crap at cooking as well i am very crap at cooking i never used to be quite as crap um but you know nadia sawala and myself had a book called disaster chef which was all based on the premise that she's the most wonderful cook and i'm a terrible cook and she was trying to but the major reason that i don't slash can't cook is i don't take the time are you even that interested though but I think I possibly, I, I think I could easily be. I think right. I could easily be. And when I was younger, um, I, I was keen to try new recipes and do things because I didn't feel that pressure of time. Yeah. You know, because I can't concentrate on, you know, say, right, Saturday I'll go and I'll get the ingredients for such and such and I'll spend the afternoon preparing and then I'll cook because I'm constantly like, right, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. Oh, fuck, I've got to cook as well. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Rather than, you know what, Saturday night, have a couple of friends round. I'm going to dedicate Saturday to, to cooking. I, yeah, absolutely. I could enjoy that. Mm. Just a couple space. of podcasts on prep. Well, you oh, need to lovely. find the time, right? And the time is there. The time yeah. is there. We just don't create it because we are sort of borderline martyrs that walk around going, but I'm so busy. Exactly. Yeah, but we work for exactly. ourselves. We're as busy as we make ourselves. You know, I'm certainly guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's time to make choices. Is there one thing that on your bucket list, like, I suppose, is there a scratch you're still yet to itch? Um, I don't know. I mean, I suppose if I go back to Strictly, there was a little bit of that. I, I suppose, if I'm really honest, I did want to see if there was something in me that I could unleash, you know, that feeling of confidence I say confidence in your body. That sounds so bloody vain. Do, do you know just your body's sort of... ability to do something it's never been pushed to do before? Do you mean? Yeah, and and just a sense of inhibition. And I mean, I've always been like a thinker and maybe an overthinker. It's always for me been about my uh, my my personality, my brain. You know, my gob. Um, I've never felt the ability to express myself physically. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about sex or whatever like that, but, you know, just when I, I saw, see the dancers on Strictly and I still feel very privileged to have been at such close quarters to them. Um, 
And they express such emotion and beauty and wonderful things just through the movement of their body. Um, and I think that would be a beautiful thing to experience. And I had hoped that I might get a little bit of that with Strictly. And because of the way it panned out, I didn't. Um, and so I guess that would be maybe my thing. I get it, though, because I, I used to host the Strictly tour, so I'd do a bit of the dancing at the top of the show. And I loved it. And I would dance with Len as well. I always did a dance oh, really? with Oh, really? And I just consider mm. myself very lucky. It was brilliant. And I'm I, jealous. I'm jealous. It, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I did get the, what you were looking for there. I got it in that moment, definitely. Mm. When Craig Revell Hallwood took over the art directing of the show or became the creative director of the show, he's the one that made me dance. Arlene was like, you don't have to, because she used to be in charge of the show. Mm. Um, and then Craig came along and he went, you have to. And I was like, uh-huh. But he pushed me to do things that I didn't know I could do. And that was exciting yeah. and frightening. Yeah. 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 It's not often I get scared. Mm. And I got scared. Oh, God. I've never been so scared in all my life. Never been so scared. Well, scared, is that the right word? But possessed by nerves and anxiety. Mm. I mean, to the point that my brain just left the building. I was incapable of retaining a thought. I really was. And I regret that I wasn't able to overcome that because I think... If I had been able to overcome the nerves, I think I could actually have relaxed into it a bit more. But I I couldn't free myself of the nerves. I was paralysed by the nerves. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awful. Mm. That's frightening. But, yeah, but you know what? You is. put yourself out there, Kay, to do it, knowing that, that there was every chance that you would be paralysed by nerves. I think that takes real guts and chutzpah, you know? Well, or... Or blissful ignorance, one of the two. <laughs> All of the above are good. All of them are good. Um, oh, well, I learned something about myself. Yeah, I, and listen, thank God you did. You went out there and you're still trying new things, in, you know, in your sixth decade. That's really important. Yeah, you had to kill the vibe there at the end, Kate, didn't you? Come on, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, thank you for coming on today and keep sharing oh, the wisdom lovely. and I love the fact that you are a new and by by the way may I say very popular new voice to the podcasting landscape How oh, to Be 60 is doing some really incredible numbers and I think you are bringing a lot of ears to the space that would not be there otherwise um, oh, so bravo for that keep that going oh. and when I'm old enough can I come on yours <laughs> oh you most certainly can I'll put the date in the diary now in fact, you can take it over. I'll be gone by then. <laughs> I'll be on a ballroom dancing cruise round the bloody fjords. With Jane McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a huge thanks to Kay. Don't forget her podcast, How To Be 60, is available wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can catch her every week on Loose Women. And if you want more chat with great Loose Women, then our back catalogue has episodes with Ruth Langsford, Denise Welsh, Carol McGiffin and Lisa Maxwell, Stacey Solomon, Andrew McLean, Charlene White and Nadia Sawala. My thanks to you, as always, for lending us your ears this last hour and to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Editing is by Eleanor Humphrey and our music is courtesy of Andy Bell. You can catch his solo material as well as his work with Ride and Oasis wherever you get your music. And I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, thanks for your company. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 